What's going on, folks? Andrew Torbin here, CEO of Gab.com. Welcome to the Parallel Christian Society podcast. I have an awesome episode for you today. We're talking about something that we as Christians love, which is Christmas. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, you know, my wife started playing Christmas music probably about two weeks ago around the house. And I had I had posted this on Gab and uh, the community was pretty divided. So some people said it was too early. Some people said it was, uh, they were also uh, playing Christmas music. Um, and so there seems to be a little bit of a, a controversy here about when is the right time to play Christmas music. But, you know, I, I wanted to dive into today uh, something that I've been thinking about in particular this year, you know, as I have uh, three young children, um, you know, four, two and six months. And, you know, as I'm thinking about how I'm uh, raising my children and how I'm discipling my children, um, you know, one of the things that struck me this year is just how Christless a lot of the most popular, quote unquote, Christ- or Christmas music is. And so I started to dive into this a little bit, and um, I, I wanted to know the origins of how we went from, you know, singing about the birth of Christ to singing about, you know, snowmen and reindeer and all of these things that have absolutely nothing to do with the birth of our Lord and Savior. And so I wanted to encourage you to, you know, be uh, mindful and, and play and select the Christmas music, especially if you have young children, uh, with intent. Because these these songs that you're playing for your children uh, are going to be sort of ingrained in their mind. When they think of Christmas, are they going to think of Frosty the Snowman? Or are they going to think of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Right? It, it sounds silly, you know, and it's, it's something that um, you know, what's the harm, right? Singing about Frosty the Snowman or singing about a reindeer or whatever. What's the harm in allowing our children to to listen to these things? And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that music has, has such a profound impact and it leaves such a, um, an indelible mark in our memories, especially the memories of our childhood. And so we want those memories of Christmas time to be about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because that is what Christmas time is about. It's, it's not about a snowman. It's not about a reindeer. Okay. And, you know, when we dive into sort of the origins of how we got here um, and, and why our culture, American culture in particular, and now, you know, this culture has been exported around the world, how we got to this point, you know, how did we go from, um, you know, Christmas songs, you know, like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You know, this is a hymn that reflects the anticipation of Jesus's coming, right? Silent Night. This is a classic that celebrates the peace and serenity of Christ's birth, right? Hark, the, er- uh, Hark, the herald angels sing, right? Another one. The song's lyrics are about Christ's birth, fulfilling God's promises, 
a little town of Bethlehem. You know, this is a carol that focuses on the historical setting of Jesus's birth, uh, joy to the world. You know, while this is often uh, seen as a song about Christ's second coming, um, you know, it could also uh, be about Christ's birth. The first Noel, this song narrates the story of the first Christmas. Uh, angels we have heard on high, you know, celebrating the angelic announcement of Christ's birth. Away in a manger, a simple, humble reflection on the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Uh, you know, all of these songs, all of these these classic Christmas Christmas carols, you know, have to do with the true meaning of Christmas, which is the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and so, you know, where did we go wrong? What caused this this dramatic shift? Who was behind this? And you know, I want to start out by saying that. I have no ill will in my heart. I have no malice in my heart. You know, telling you the facts and educating you about sort of how we got here and how these songs, these Christless Christmas songs, came into being. You know, it's it's sort of a uh, it's sort of uh, um, it's not really proper to call them Christmas songs, right? That's sort of the psyop in it of itself. Uh, calling it a Christmas song is uh, not accurate. Right, you know, calling Frosty the Snowman or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer a Christmas song really doesn't make any sense logically when you think about it. A Christmas song has to have something to do with Christ, the birth of Christ, the kingship of Christ, uh, any anything. Songs that make zero mention of the Bible of Christianity, right? These these secular songs. It's it's really not proper calling Christmas because they have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas. You know, maybe we can call them winter songs, right? Um, songs that you play in December when it gets cold out. <laughs> I, you know, anything but calling them Christmas songs makes more sense. Just just logically, it doesn't make sense to call these these Christmas songs. And so I started diving into this, right, and say, okay, well, who who wrote these songs? Right. That's that's sort of the first question. And what was their their purpose? And you know what is what is uh, what are other people saying about what their purpose is for writing these songs? And so I looked up and I found 25 different you know popular I get winter songs. Right. I'm not even going to call them Christmas songs anymore. Winter songs. Right. So Winter Wonderland. Right. Uh, by Felix Bernard. White Christmas. By Irving Berlin, "Happy Holidays" by Irving Berlin, "I'll Be Home for Christmas," Walter Kent and Buck Ram, and these are, these are the writers of these songs: "Let It Snow," "Let It Snow," "Let It Snow," um, "Sleigh Ride," "Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer" by Johnny Marks, "Baby It's Cold Outside," "Silver, Ble- Silver Bells," "Santa Baby," uh, and and that one in particular, "Santa Baby," it sort of sexualizes the winter songs as well. Right, so now we're introducing uh, the sexualization, and this this actually happened in 1953. That song was written. Home for the holidays, rocking around the Christmas tree. Another one by Johnny Marks. Do you hear what I hear? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Right, a holly jolly Christmas. Christmas time is here. All right, all of these songs, you know, they even use the word Christmas, but they have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Some of them even use the word Christmas in the title in the song. But they have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ.、Uh, Christmas time is here. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You know, 
fictional characters even, right? Like Frosty the Snowman, the Grinch, uh, a red-nosed reindeer. Like, how, how do we get here? Every single one of these songs that I just read off, and there's more, uh, were written by Jews. Um, and, and so that is that is a factual statement. That's not a hateful statement. Again, you know, I hate to have to preface this because we live in a world where just stating facts um, is hateful. But this is the reality of the situation is all these songs that have nothing to do with Christ, that have nothing to do with Christianity, have nothing to do with the birth of Christ, the entire reason that we celebrate Christmas, uh, were all written by Jews. So they have successfully secularized uh, a Christian holiday, one of the most holy Christian holidays that we have, which is the celebrating the incarnation and the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they've successfully removed Christ from Christmas songs. And they've popularized these songs over the last, you know, 60, 70 years uh, into the mainstream consciousness of American culture. And this is now what people think about when they think about Christmas. They think about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. They think about Frosty the Snowman. They think about, uh, you know, Silver Bells, uh, uh, White Christmas, anything but Jesus Christ, right? And so it's interesting. I found this article and it's on Herod's uh, which is a, a Jewish blog now. So everything that I'm going to read to you is in their own words. So you, you can't call me a, an anti-Semite or hateful or uh, you know any of these things, even though I don't really care if you do, as I talked about on uh, previous episodes. You know, I, I don't care what you call me. I'm going to speak the truth boldly. And, um, you know, those who want to listen, those who have ears to hear will hear. And uh, whatever you want to call me, so be it. But... The, the, these are the facts, okay? So this article is supermodel Bar Raffelli in a Santa suit is part of a proud Jewish tradition. Christmas and Hanukkah have evolved into central elements of Jewish American life. The new book, A Kosher Christmas, Tis the Season to be Jewish, explores how. This article is from December 11th, 2012, okay? So, and, and keep in mind, this article is on a Jewish blog, okay? So, anything that I'm reading here is not my, my own words. This is from a Jewish author, Jewish journalist, on a Jewish blog, talking about a Jewish book written by a Jew, okay? So, keep that in mind. Christmas, as Platt shows, has become an occasion for Jewish volunteerism in a, a wide variety of areas, most notably feeding the hungry and providing other charitable assistance to the poor and the homeless. Um, and, and so, you know, it continues on here and it says Christmas as a renowned, as renowned historian, Jonathan Sarna notes in a forward to the book has changed over the years from being a religious holiday that minorities are not a part of to a national holiday that can encompass all Americans, Christian or not. If as a famous advertisement once declared, you don't have to be Jewish to love Levi's real Jewish rye. Sarna writes, then by analogy, you don't have to be Christian to love Christmas. In addition to the brightly lit streets, ornate shop windows, Christmas songs, and holiday cheer that appeal to many American Jews, uh, they have de developed their own distinct rituals for Christmas Day, including celebrations of Jewish culture at museums and galleries, 
Christmas Day singles dances, going to the movies, enjoying a night of comedy, or most famously going out for Chinese food. Tracing the long history of Jewish fascination with Chinese cuisine back to the teeming immigrant tenants on Manhattan's Lower East Side a century ago, Plout shows how eating Chinese on Christmas has become a sacred tradition in which even the Orthodox Jews partake. And so, you know, th- this is how these things have come about. You know, we even see this played out in the famous movie A Christmas Story,、uh, where they go out for Chinese. Right, and that is a that is a Jewish ritual, according to this article. Plout, an ordained Reform Rabbi who is the executive director of American Friends of the Rabin Medical Center, devoted his doctorate at New York University to the issue of Jews and Christians, Jews and Christmas rather, and is now considered a foremost expert on the subject. In this short, informative, illuminating book, Plout traces. Not only the changing attitude of American Jews to Christmas, but the holiday's symbiotic influence on Hanukkah as well. The eight-day Jewish festival has evolved over the past century and a half from a relatively minor holiday to becoming one of the most important landmarks on the Jewish year and a permanent feature of America's national calendar. Funny how that works. Interesting. So、uh, they even admit here that Hanukkah was a minor holiday, a relatively minor holiday, and out of nowhere it became the most important landmarks of the Jewish year and a permanent feature of America's national calendar. Isn't that interesting? America, a Christian nation, is celebrating Hanukkah, a holiday that、uh, Jews in a Jewish magazine. Uh, admit was a minor holiday、uh, up until they needed it to become a major holiday in American culture. Isn't that interesting? Ever since President Jimmy Carter participated in an official menorah lighting ceremony in 1979, the presidential ceremony marking Hanukkah has assumed ever greater public prominence, moving inside the White House under Bill Clinton, turning into an annual reception for Jewish leaders under George Bush. And culminating for the time being with an official presidential proclamation, which Barack Obama issued each year in both English and Hebrew. Wow, incredible, incredible how this happened in a Christian nation. It takes this、uh, relatively minor Jewish holiday and turns it into this prominent holiday that is celebrated in our White House. Isn't that something? Isn't it something how fast that happened too? So, in his book, Plout recalls the American clash between 19th-century German Jews, who embraced Christmas and placed Christmas trees in their homes, even Theodor Herzl's home in Vienna. And this guy, Theodor Herzl, is sort of like the father of Zionism. It turns out, and in the 20th century, Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe, for whom Christmas was a day of dread and fear, for Christians seeking to take revenge on quote Christ killers. Eastern European Jews not only refrained from mentioning Jesus's name explicitly, but they also resorted to euphemisms. Isn't that interesting? They wouldn't even say his name, isn't that? And then they developed euphemisms <laughs>、uh, to talk about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? So, what else here? Let's continue on. In any case, Jewish children have come a long way since the Ford newspaper complained a little over a century ago that there's nothing sadder than a Jewish kid at Christmas. Jews were quick to absorb the Christmas tradition and subvert it. If you're asking me, because that's what it sounds like, what happened here?、Uh, Jews were quick to absorb the Christmas tradition 
Um, <laughs> here we go. And actually turn things on their head by instituting not just one, but eight days of gift giving during Hanukkah, making Jewish kids the envy of their Christmas friends. Incredible. Hanukkah itself was fortified by the symbolism of the Zionist struggle. Ah, so that's why this minor holiday, which these aren't my words, this is this is their words. Again, I'm, I'm reminding you here that I'm reading from a Jewish author in a Jewish magazine here. Okay, Hanukkah itself was fortified by the symbolism of the Zionist struggle, now cast as latter-day Maccabees fighting for independence and liberation. <laughs> liberation from oppressors in Palestine and by Israel's triumph in the Six-Day War, which boosted the self-confidence and tribal identification of American Jews. At the same time, however, and increasingly in recent years, the Festival of Lights has also become another symbol of universal battle for democracy and religious rights, as Obama noted in this year's message. And this was, again, this was written in 2012, so this is an old article. Um, so let's let's continue on here. In much the same way, Christmas itself has depleted has been depleted of its theological underpinnings in the public arena, unlike in the churches and homes of devout Christians. By by the separation of church and state, by the commercialization of the holiday, and by what anti Semites may describe as a devious Jewish plot. Yeah, not noticing these things makes you an anti Semite, right? <laughs> and, and, and using their own words, right? Let me just read that again. Christmas itself has been depleted of its theological underpinnings in the public arena by the separation of church and state, by the commercialization of the holiday, <laughs> and a devious Jewish plot. <laughs> this, this, is, this is their writing. This is not me saying this. This is in the most popular Christmas song, after all, White Christmas, which was written by Jewish songwriter Irving Berlin, and described by author Philip Roth as a song that decrises Christmas and turns it into a holiday about snow. So this is them bragging about this, right? It's incredible. And if I point it out, then I'm an evil anti-Semite. If you point it out, it makes you a bigot and an anti-Semite. But when the Jews themselves point this out, it's something to be boastful about. Something to be boastful about that the commercialization of the holiday and in their own words, something that decrises Christmas and turns it into a holiday about snow is a good thing. It's a great thing for American Jews, right? This is, this is again, this is, not, this is not me saying this. This is their own words in their own article, in their own publication, okay? I was surprised to learn in the book that two of my other favorite Christmas songs were also written by Jews. Johnny Marks wrote, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Sammy Kahn and Julie Stein wrote, Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Thus, not only was a Jew responsible for Christmas in the first place, but Jews have now come around full circle to embrace Christmas by turning it into a holiday entirely of their own, one in which they share the holiday spirit with Christian Americans, but do so in a way that expresses pride in their own identity. Gone are the days when the Jews feel left out of the festivities while Christians around them celebrate it. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And so, again, it's really important. You know, I, I, again, I don't say this to be hateful. I don't say this to be malicious. I say this from a place of love 
that if you are discipling your children um, and you're listening to these songs, then you're you're helping to perpetuate the secularization and the de-Christing, as they say, of Christmas to make it into a holiday about snow, about reindeer, about snowmen, about anything but Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you now knowing this and understanding where this came from and understanding the agenda behind it and the agenda they, they could not make more clear here in this article is to de-Christ Christmas and make it into a holiday about snow and a holiday that allows uh, American Jews to express pride in their own identity, end quote. Okay. And so knowing this, how can you allow your household to be filled with this music during this time of year? There are plenty of other options, plenty of Christmas carols. You know, I read off some of them before Silent Night, Hark the, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, A Little Town of Bethlehem, Joy to the World, The First Noel, Angels We Have Heard on High, Away in a Manger, Mary Did You Know. God rest you merry gentlemen. There are plenty of Christmas carols that talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are what should be filling your home. If you are discipling young children right now in your home, these are the songs that they need to be hearing. These are the songs that when they hear these songs, they think of Christmas. Okay. It shouldn't be Frosty the Snowman. It shouldn't be the Grinch. It should be Jesus Christ. And I don't think it's hateful to say that. Um, and I'm sorry if the facts about this situation and the history of how this happened offends you. I don't really care. This is the reality of the situation. And now that you understand this, maybe, you know, before you were ignorant of this, maybe you didn't know like I didn't, right? Because I was, I had no idea. I had no idea that, um, you know, Basically, a bunch of Jews wrote all of these songs to de-Christ Christmas uh, so that they could express their pride and celebrate and subvert a holiday that a holy holiday that is about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom they reject as the Messiah. Uh, and again, you know, are you allowing this stuff to fill your home during this time of year? And um, are you allowing your children to be discipled by the Grinch and by Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Or are you filling your home with Christmas carols that reflect the anticipation of Jesus' coming, celebrate the peace and serenity of Christ's birth? Uh, you know, these, these are the two choices that you have. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to, how to raise your kids, but... If we're going to build a parallel Christian society, we need to be focused on discipling our kids and the music that we are listening to and the music that therefore our kids are listening to. It matters. It matters. Um, and, and, you know, going beyond Christmas too. what, what is the music that you're listening to, you know, not just around Christmas, but the entire year? Are you filling your home with music that glorifies God, that glorifies Christ? Or are you filling your home with secular trash? Okay, because it matters. It really does. Um, because your children are going to be discipled 
uh, by not only by just going to church once on every Sunday. Um, you know, the music that you're listening to is going to have an influence on them and is going to disciple them. And uh, if, if we want to build a parallel Christian society, you know, we, we need to examine these things and we need to uh, think critically about the choices that we're making, about the music, about the TV shows, um, about everything that we're allowing into our home. So, you know, again, it's, it's not something that uh, it's not something that I knew, but now that I know, you better believe that I'm going to be making wiser choices when it comes to the Christmas music that is played in my home and in front of my children. And, and so I encourage you to do the same. So that's the episode for today. You know, be sure I'm going to encourage you while you're still listening to subscribe, um, you know, subscribe to the podcast so that you get new updates and new episodes and uh, tell a friend about it too, if you're enjoying it. And of course, get on gab.com, the home of free speech. Uh, you know, we have a fantastic community. Maybe you're listening to this and you don't know what Gab is. Gab is a free speech social network. We're building a parallel Christian society. We're building a parallel economy. We have a great community of millions of people from around the world who are using Gab to speak freely, engage in fellowship, engage in commerce with one another. It's a great place. Go check it out. Tell a friend about it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And remember to speak freely.